I always say that healing isn't a destination. So you can't ever get to a point, wake up one day and say, okay, I've healed. You know, that thing that I experienced six months ago, I'm over it. I don't care anymore. It doesn't work like that. It's something that forms a part of us. It becomes a humongous part of us and we take it forward with us. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Okay, so we're so excited today. We are sitting with Ruby Dahl. She is a best-selling author of four books. Her most recent is Dear Self, and she's sold over 12,000 copies in the last six months since it's been released. And in this book, she really focuses on heartache, loneliness, relationships, the power of pain, but ultimately recognizing that healing is a journey. It's not a destination. And uh, we are so excited to learn from her today and just really understand her story and how she came into her personal healing journey. So Ruby, tell us about where you are. We wanna hear where you're living, what you're doing today, and then share with us your story. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to be here firstly. Thank you so much for the lovely intro. Um, so I live in London in the UK and today was just, uh, it was a busy Saturday. I was running so many errands. Uh, I, I just got home now and I managed to shower, but I went to the gym at like nine in the morning and I managed to shower just now. <laughs> busy. I was running lots of errands and stuff, but it was, it was nice. Yeah. And it's a rainy day over here. It's not that great. <laughs> Well, we're just honored that you are taking an afternoon on Saturday to speak with us. Yeah, I am so excited. I just wanted to, we want to hear your story, but I just, I just got to say really quick. So we dove in and bought your books, but they didn't come until your writing is absolutely incredible. It's so inspiring and it's really moving. Your hope for tomorrow. Wow. So Thank you for your contribution to, I mean, I think when people really discover your talent, we're so blessed to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, that's, that's basically what I've ever wanted to do with my writing, just to have any kind of impact, no matter how small it is on someone's life. Um, and, you know, when I hear that my words have made a small change uh, to someone, even just cheered them up or made them feel understood. That's that's all I've wanted. So thank you. Yeah. So tell us what started this journey for you in your writing. So fiction was my first love. It's still my first love. And I wanted to be a novelist since I was a little girl. I'd absolutely loved reading books. I'd loved uh, reading stories. My favorite authors were Jacqueline Wilson. I loved Kathy Cassidy, Karen McCombie. These are all uh, English authors here. <laughs> and they used to write children's books, uh, which I, I loved. I always found books as a form of escapism from everything in the real world. And the real world wasn't very pleasant for me. I lost my mom uh, at a very young age I lost her when I was four years old mm. so I pretty much turned to books as a form of uh, solace as a form of escapism and um, I remember writing the first chapter to to 
writing my first chapter ever to one of the books I was reading. It was like an alternative chapter ending to a book by Karen McCombie. And I was 10 years old at the time. And I was like, I can so totally do this. It was like in, in, a, in a random old tattered diary of mine. And I was 10 years old, just writing with my chubby little hands. And I was just so excited. I was like, oh my God, books are so great. But then I, I obviously went on to study. I went to university. Uh, I remember studying. Uh, I was uh, studying philosophy at university. And every summer of my degree course, while everyone was taking a break from exams and just chilling out and having fun, and I'd work on the first draft of the novel that I was writing at the time. And I, I genuinely thought that, you know, I can be a novelist one day. It's going to happen. And uh, when I uh, finished university, I was doing my uh, PGCE, which is a teacher training course here in the UK. So after you graduate, you can do a training course uh, to become a teacher. Three months into that, I realized that I was following a path that I did not want to do. I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be a novelist. And here I was, you know, uh, teaching is a great, great pursuit, but it wasn't for me. So three months into that uh, degree, I decided to, to leave it and pursue my you know, passion for writing novels, for writing stories. And in that whole, you know, experience, I broke my heart. I went through uh, lots of pain and I just created an Instagram page out of nowhere, just, just to heal, just to share my pain online. Um, I blocked like around 40 people that I knew, like 40 people that, you know, in your community around, you know, your uh, people that you've known growing up. I, d I blocked every single one of them so they wouldn't see my page. I wrote under a pseudoname so people wouldn't know who I was. And I wrote micro poetry about heartbreak and, you know, pain and basically everything that I was going through. And that page was just to heal from what I was experiencing. It was just a way to move on from everything that I had undergone. But somehow it blew up into something so much more than that. And within the first year of um, opening my page, of starting my page, I ended up publishing my first book, which is a micro poetry book. And then the second year, I published another poetry book and the third year and the fourth year and so on. So now I've got four books. Um, my most recent book, Dear Self, is actually it's a bite sized self-help book. And I think over the years, like as I've grown, my writing has just grown with me. I will still want to write novels. I will still want to write fiction um, and I will eventually one day. But at the moment, I think this is my calling and this is what I'm going to do. So Ruby, I want to go back to your social media page. I know that you kind of use that somewhat like a journal for your healing and you currently have over half a million followers today, which <laughs> is unbelievable. And can you share with us what catapulted you into that? You talk about um, you had some pain that really kind of started that. Can you share that story with us? I had never felt, um, I, you know, I had never been in a relationship. So I was very much, um, I was very innocent. You know, I had these ideas about love and, and, you know, relationships and so on. And I hadn't really had good experiences in my own family and my own, you know, I hadn't seen my dad experience much love after my mom passed away. I, I'd seen him suffer in love. I'd seen, you know, love caused nothing but pain. And I associated that aspect of pain with love. And when I fell for someone without knowing whether it was true, without knowing whether it was real or not, the moment it started hurting, I told myself that this has to be love because it hurts so much. And um, it was the pain, it was the immense pain of, you know, not 
being able to experience happiness. I, and I'd never really known happiness uh, by that point. I hadn't really seen much goodness in my life. And it was it was reaching a point where I was like, I can't take it anymore. I've gone through so much. And this is essentially the cherry on the cake. And that's what pushed me to create the page. That's when I realized I really need to just, you know, I need an outlet. I need to offload in some way. Obviously, since then, my idea of love and relationships have grown and they're definitely a lot more healthier. But back then, this idea that love was nothing but pain uh, stuck with me. And that's what I took forward with me. Wow. I, I think with, you know, mo- all of us have experienced, I think, you know, for the most part, we, we've gone through our challenges of heartbreak at a young age with breakups that we thought, you know, like you mentioned, is, our, is the love of our life. And we learn yeah. through our journey you know, that that grows and it changes and, and we learn, but where do you think you, um, it transformed for you? At what point do you feel like you had a better understanding of what it looked like to overcome that, to find hope again and to know and be able to look back and say, okay, that was, this is where I was then. And, and, and I've now found the light going forward. Everything became so much clearer when I started to realize my worth and I started to love myself. It was that simple. It was this idea that I think I deserve this because I don't have regard for myself. I think I deserve to be treated this poorly. I I believe that I should be, you know, pushed away and not loved in return. And the moment that I took those, you know, negative ideas out of my mind and I started affirming my existence, I started telling myself, no, Ruby, you deserve so much more. You know, you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be cared for. You deserve to be appreciated by nobody else but yourself. And there, it was like a, it was like a correlation between as I started to love myself and as I started to appreciate myself. And as that line went up, so did my idea of what my relationship with other people should be like. No matter what kind of relationship it is, whether it's you know romantic or non-romantic, love is in every single relationship. So the moment that I started to have high self-worth my perception of what I deserved in every single one of my relationships, it shot up as well. And I refused to settle for less after that. It was, it's still, you know, it's still going up at the moment. Um, So yeah, the moment I started to appreciate myself, that's when, yeah. I think you wrote um, a piece, but Deanna, I think you have it. Is it The Miracle? Yes. One of your poems, that one really, where did that come from? What inspired that poem? The sometimes I look at you um, poem. Um, you know, often I, I don't know if you if you ladies have ever experienced this, but often I see myself as like I give really good advice to my friends. So like if I'm sitting with them and they're going through something, and I'm like, no, you are a queen. No, you deserve so much. You are so wonderful. You are so. And sometimes, like I, I think at that particular point, I was at this point where I was like. I don't think I'm hearing what I deserve to hear from other people. Like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing good advice. I'm hearing stuff that I want to, but I need to hear these words. No one has said this to me before. No one has said to me, you know, you've gone through so much, Ruby. Um, I'm so proud of you. And obviously, like over the years, lots of people have. But at that particular point, I felt so low. I felt so alone that I was like, I will say it to myself and I will write this piece in third person to myself. Uh, and read it as many times as I need to whenever I feel low. Oh my gosh. I have to say, I when I read that and I was going through all, several of them, there's so many inspirational <laughs> ones, but that one really hit me as our journey of, you know, pieces of a woman and wanting to empower women. I feel like every woman out there needed that poem. 
I'm or they need it. I, I feel like they need it. I would love to, I'm going to, I'm going to share that. It's so beautiful. It just really got me. It would mean so much to me. I think, you know, obviously we know how much, um, there's so many that are suffering through grief, loss, heartbreak. And right now being able to find hope and understanding what healing looks like, I think just in itself gives inspiration to people and what your books are doing right now is helping people find that inspiration so that I think that's beautiful and with that I'd like to ask you what can you share about understanding the healing journey and what that looks like because it's different for everyone yeah thank you firstly uh, for the kind words um in terms of healing journeys I always say that we are on a platitude, a plethora of healing journeys, not just one. And we are in various stages in our different healing journeys. So you could be healing from a heartbreak, uh, say three, four years ago, but you could also be healing from losing someone dear to you 10 years ago. And although you're on both of those healing journeys, you are in a different stage. You're probably, you know, you're probably past the denial phase. You're past the, you know, immense pain in terms of the loss. Uh, and now you're, you're at a point where, you know, you remember them in a, in a, in a good way, in a happy way, but maybe in terms of the relationship that's broken down, maybe you still miss them. Maybe you're still not at a point where you're completely over it. And, in the same way, like every single healing journeys in our lives, not only do they bring different sorts of lessons to us, but they also, they, they allow us to move forward with them, even if we haven't reached a point where we're completely okay. So I always say that healing isn't a destination. So you can't ever get to a point, wake up one day and say, okay, I've healed. You know, that thing that I experienced six months ago, I'm over it. I don't care anymore. It doesn't work like that. It's something that forms a part of us. It becomes a humongous part of us and we take it forward with us. So a lot of people think that, okay, if I'm healing from this particular pain that I've experienced, so say, you know, I lost my job and I am still unemployed and now I'm okay. I'm, you know, fine again. I'm finding a new job and so on. But then suddenly I wake up one day and I feel this immense pain. I'm like, I feel like a, a failure. I, I lost my job six months ago. What's happened? Why do I feel like this? It's been six months. I was okay yesterday, but I'm not today. And so many people see healing like this. They think, okay, you should just be going up. Like you should just be healing and getting better and better. And it's not like that. Healing is literally, it goes up and down, up and down, and it's constantly fluctuating. So if you're healing from something, it doesn't mean, okay, I am just getting better. You could be getting better. You could be getting worse. You're just journeying, essentially. And you have to embrace every single stage of that journey for the rest of your life. Where would you say with your work that you do that you see that people get stuck in their healing journey? Where do they hold themselves back where they're maybe not seeing and or being inspired to find that place where they can, like you said, continue to move forward? Where do you see them get stuck and, and what helps I think the one thing that stops us from soaring upwards in our healing is believing that we can. I feel like often what we think is, I don't have the strength to be able to do this. Like, I can't do this. It hurts too much. This much pain is not normal. This much hurting is not normal. I just want it to stop hurting and it needs to happen. And we think that like, you know, the saying time is the biggest healer. We think, okay, the more time that's passed, I should be okay now. Why am I not okay? Why am I not getting okay? 
we think that time passing, like healing is a byproduct of time passing, but we don't understand that time is passing, but we need to be doing something with that time. Like we need to actually actively heal. And the majority of people that I've come across who say, you know, I'm on my healing journey and I will heal. Okay, what are you doing? Like, what are you actually doing in terms of your healing journey? If you think that you're healing because time is passing, that's not true. That's not, it's not, nothing's going to heal you. If time is just passing and you're going to work every single day as you normally do, coming home, watching TV, having a shower, eating your food, going back to bed, spending your weekends doing whatever it is, time is just passing. Like you're not healing. You're existing. Exactly. You're just existing. Yeah, you're just existing. And if you want to heal you need to do the work. You need to do the trauma work. You need to do the active work. You need to change your environment. You need to do what it, whatever it is that it takes in order to be able to heal. And I actually have a friend who's recently, who was telling me the same thing. She was like, you know, I'm, I'm healing now. Like I'm focusing on myself now. Like I broke up with this guy and I'm just focusing on myself and I'm doing me. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like, what are you focusing on? And she goes, nothing. Like I'm just going to work. Yeah, but then you're not focusing on yourself because you're just you're continuing in the same way as you were when that guy was in your life. Now that that guy is not here and you want to heal from this particular experience, you need to do something different. And the moment that you start doing something different, the moment that you start making a change to heal yourself, that's when you're going to see a difference. Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite, plus daily maid service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats. We're not your home away from home. We are better. Book today at ExclusiveRetreats.com. So I, you know, my own personal experience after losing my son, Taylor, uh, four years ago, I was in that, you know, the deep, deep, dark place of the pain and thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to ever find joy again? It was almost like an impossible place that I could never imagine that I was going to smile. I was going to laugh. I just thought that this pain was so deep. There was no hope. And there was no lie. And I think for the first, you know, maybe year, it was the just getting through the day. And that was probably the most I could do. But then there came a point where I had to reconcile that for me to move forward and live, it was about doing the work. And, And sometimes that meant really leaning into the pain. So I would have those ebbs and flows and the waves that would come and allowing that to be and feeling the emotion, but then really actively working on how I allow it and be in it and then do what I need to do. So I, you know, not knowing that's what I was doing, I'm grateful that I was kind of in that place that I could do it, but I still today, four years later, and you know, I'm sure with you, Ruby, I would imagine that you have your moments losing your mom. I know it was a young age, but I'm, I would imagine you still carry so much with you. And in how many years has that been? It's been, I'm 26 right now. So I was uh, five, four, five, like I was four, but I was turning five that year. Uh, So it's been 22 years. It's going to be 22 years this year. 
And Christy, from what you were saying when you spoke about your son, you pointed out something really, really important. And that is that, as I said earlier, like every single one of us is on so many different healing journeys. And the actual qualities of those healing journeys are so varying that if I'm talking about someone doing the work when it comes to healing from, say, you know, losing a job or a heartbreak, it's very, very different to someone who's in depression. It's very different to someone who's uh, has anxiety. Like you waking up in the morning is you doing the work, is you facing the day. So it, it's very, very different to think about what healing is for different people. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's grief in so many different areas of our life. Loss, like you mentioned earlier, a job can be yeah. a heartbreak. It could be a pet. It could be a divorce. I mean, there's so yeah. many areas where we continuously work on healing just in life. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of loss, like I feel like I don't think that there's, there is a healing journey that could be as difficult as when someone you love passes away. I think that is probably the most difficult healing journey that you could ever take. I don't think it gets worse than that. Whether it's, you know, your son, your parent, your sister, your brother, your husband, like that, that pain is just, it's something else altogether. And I was speaking to my cousin yesterday, actually, um, the one whose who's dad passed away back in February, my uncle. And, you know, when my mom passed away, I was four years old. So I remember bits and bobs you know, of her, but for my, for my whole life, it's been an experience of, you know, I've, I've not known what it was like to have her with me. My uncle was a, like a very, very strong part of my life. He was someone who, you know, stepped in when my mom passed away. So he, he brought me up as his daughter. And when he passed away, it really hit me. It was like, I've spent my entire life with this person. I've spent my entire life knowing him experiencing him seeing him laughing with him and now he's not there and I think one of the most difficult things like one of the most difficult stages when you move on from losing someone close to you is coming to grips with it that it's happened like sometimes I'm sitting down right and I'll have a really good day I'll be like oh you know and then it'll just hit me and I'll be like this person's no longer here. Like, how does that make sense? It, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense. How is this person not here when he was here two months ago? When, and I think it's, it's that, it's that sense of loss. And believe me, every single one of us knows that people will die. We all know that life is contingent. People will die. Everyone that we know, you know, our parents, siblings, there'll be a time when they, none of them will be here. But we still live our lives as though our relationships are forever. That's so true. We live with this belief so that they are. Logically, we know, but when it really happens, it's really going through it and feeling Logically, it. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's beyond me. So what would you say is the most important lesson you've learned, um, whether it's you know heartbreak, loss, whatever, however you want to define it, what's the most important lesson that you've learned and what was life like before it and what's life like now? One of the most important lessons I've learned, especially like with my experiences in the last couple of months and stuff, is that you really just have to keep going. Life doesn't stop. And that is like the harshest reality that you could tell anyone. Like having to get up the next day after you've gone to the funeral is you telling yourself, I have to keep going. Like my life is not over still. Like I still have to keep living. And it's, I think that is one of the harshest truths that I've learned through all of these experiences that no matter how much pain you are enduring, you have to keep going. And the second thing is that there is nothing that I cannot come through from. 
through everything that I've experienced in my life, I've learned that I can deal with whatever it is that, you know, God's going to throw my way, my, you know, the natural laws, my journey or whatever is going to throw my way. I will be able to deal with it just because I believe that I can and I have to. And, and those are the two things that I've learned. So in knowing that today at 26, Boy, she's accomplished a lot at 26. (laughs) Yes, amazing. So beautiful. Um, If you could turn back the clock, like what would you tell your 16-year-old self? A lot of things. (laughs) Uh, The first thing I would say is um, do not seek external validation from anyone. That is one of the things that's going to contribute to your downfall in so many ways where you look to other people to love you, to affirm you, to to give you everything that you can give yourself. Another thing I tell her is just hang in there because it's going to get very, very difficult in the next 10 years, but it will get so much brighter and so much better. Like when we are that young, I remember like myself as a 16 year old and, you know, whatever I used to go through personal life wise, like family wise, things weren't easy. And I used to always tell myself, like, is it ever going to get better? Like, am I ever going to get to a point where I'm going to be truly happy in every sense of the word, happy in my life, happy in my personal life, happy in my professional life? Like, is there hope for me? And for a 16 year old to have that much like baggage on her shoulders, it, it's too much. And the only thing that I would like to do is just go back and take that baggage off and just say, you've got too much on your shoulders, which you don't need to have. You just need to enjoy your teenage years because this time is not going to come back and stop worrying about whether it's going to work out or not, because it will. Oh, that is so beautiful. You know, that's a really great question, Christy, because when we talked about this the other day, Christy and I, about going back, if you could write a letter to your younger self and the power of that, But where did we come up with this idea that we're supposed to just be happy all the time and everything's supposed to be just good all the time? And that's the the we're supposed to look perfect all the time. We're supposed to feel great all the time. But that's just not reality. Well, and I I think that it really resonates with, you know, even now as an adult and being 50, Ruby, and if I could tell my 30 year old self. (sighs) Right. And. Because I think, you know, as we are navigating our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're still going through so many experiences and life challenges that I can look back and say, you know, tell myself similar. I mean, it's the same, you know, the weight that I carry, the pressure, the judgment. I think that would be a big piece for me at 50 to say, if I knew at 30 to take that judgment off of myself and to understand more self-love, I think would have been a game changer for me in my 30s and 40s. And I think, you know, we talked about it in one of our other interviews that women start to really come into their own in their 50s. And I wish that we were doing that more in our 20s and 30s, where I think you are kind of paving the way for women to be more mindful of that earlier than those of us that it didn't really happen until now. So the work you're doing is beautiful. Is there something that you would like to tell say a 26 year old self, a 30 year old me, you know, something that you'd want us to take away um, or what to be prepared for. I think I would really echo a lot of what you just said. At 26, there were, I put so much pressure on where I needed to be and that I needed to have it all figured out. Yep. And I think if I could have just allowed myself to just em- embrace the experiences and take away the self judgment, I would have been more open 
And I think I would have lived a little bit more joyful through those years. And understanding that the heartbreaks, the disappointments, the roadblocks that came my way were all part of my journey. They all have really helped define and build my character as a woman with every single one versus holding me back and thinking that there was no way forward. Oh, Christy, Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. And I'll just, I would say my viewpoint, it takes so long. I feel like the life lessons are, I think the journey is the destination, but we keep looking at, oh, when I get here, I'm going to feel a certain way when in fact, that's not the reality. And I think embracing all of that, embracing being in the moment and enjoying where you are. And I remember people telling me, you know, enjoy it. We tell people now, like, enjoy your young body, enjoy your skin, (laughs) enjoy all those things that one day you'll look back and go, why didn't I appreciate it when I had it? Or why am I always looking ahead? And I would say if I I would have done the same thing, embrace the here and now and be grateful and joyful for what you have. And you are on that path. You're so inspiring. And I'm so, I'm just so empowered by you at such a young age, you're so insightful you. and you're giving so much back to the world. Thank you so much. Um, I hope to give more, but your advice is incredible. Definitely. I feel like sometimes I push myself a lot more than I should as well. You know, we live in, in this generation where, you know, it's constantly about, you know, go, 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 be productive, do as much as you can, get as much out there as you need to have your side hustle, have your main hustle. Like there's just so much going on in my generation. But I think the one thing that experiencing loss has taught me, especially most recently, is how important it is to just pause, take a break and enjoy the present. Like we don't need to be running anywhere. You know, life is it's not going anywhere. It's it's in the present right now. And if I keep chasing the next goal, the next project and whatever it is that I need to, I'm not, I'm going to miss everything. I'm going to miss the most important parts. And, and I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I think you're, you know, you spot, you speak a lot about honoring yourself and not betraying yourself. And I think if we can really continue to model that and we can continue to be disciplined with that, we will just be that much more ahead as women, just honoring and uh, the self-love. Absolutely. Just knowing that you deserve so much more. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the big takeaway, and I want each of your takeaways today, I, I just think it's so important for us to understand our healing and how we honor our healing in our life for all experiences. And like you mentioned, just continue to keep doing, but do the work. And if you don't know what the work is, maybe, you know, reaching out and asking the questions, reading a book. And I mean, what a better recommendation for us to say, okay, go look at Ruby Doll and all of the books (sighs) written because she's mastered this. Um, So for me, it's finding the hope in that and understanding that my life is a healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't have put it in any other way. Just doing the work and keep going, like not giving up, just knowing that you will get to that place of light much sooner. And eventually don't give up if you're in a place of darkness right now, because it's not going to stay like that for too long. And I will say my takeaway is definitely there's always hope and, and getting up every day and looking at the small wins. But I have to say, I'm just so thrilled with your work. And I, I just want to mm-hmm. say your words back to you because I, I, again, I think this is so powerful. I'm just going to say the snippet, but it's <sighs> because when I look at you, 
I see an unmanageable human being. I see a miracle. Thank and you. I definitely see a miracle in you, Ruby. I see a miracle in you both. You guys are amazing. You ladies are, are phenomenal. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for doing something so incredible and, and giving back to women everywhere. I think it's it's so beautiful and inspiring. Well, before we let you go, two things. I'm going to ask you two quick questions. Yep. <laughs> and then I, before I do that, I just want to, I want to do one more reading that I found of yours that I absolutely love yep. just to kind of wrap this up. So there will be all kinds of days that you take forward with you. The negative ones will break you down and the positive ones will give you life. But at the end of it, it will be up to you which ones you choose to live for. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So two questions. Who do you admire? Oh, um, are we talking personally or like, you know, everywhere? Okay. Uh, personally, I would say that I admire my dad a lot because I don't think I have will ever be able to gather the amount of strength that he's had in his entire life because he's experienced way too much loss um, and to see, still see him like you know shining and smiling and and being so strong I think it's incredible so yeah I admire him a lot yeah uh, I love that I'm gonna add I'm gonna have two more questions <laughs> what makes you feel inspired to be your best self what makes me feel inspired to be my best self oh I want to be my best self because like I want to be able to give as much as I receive. So I want to be my best self because the people around me give me their best selves. And when I see that love and care around me and when I, when I am surrounded by it, I want to give as much to them, I guess. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. A fun one. You're going to have to think hard on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's your favorite cuss word? Oh, what's my favorite cuss word? <laughs> I can actually swear on here. Say it, all of it, whatever it is. <laughs> oh God, um, I would probably. I'm so British. Like it'll probably just be like fucking prick or something. You know, one of, one of those. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? She just loves to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. Because everybody knows my favorite. My favorite cuss word. <laughs> What's your favorite cuss word? Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Diana? Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. We asked our mothers this on a, our Mother's Day episode, what their favorite cuss word. And Christy's mom spelled it. She said S-H-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. That is adorable. Okay. So we want to promote you, Ruby. We are going to put a lot of information out there about your most recent book, but all of your books. Um, I believe you still do one-on-one -on -one healing sessions. Yes, I do. Uh, okay, good. So tell our, view, our audience how they can find you. So you can find me on my Instagram page, which is r.dalwriter. So that's uh, doll with a D-H-A-L, not roll doll. <laughs> I'm not related to him. Um, and then my Facebook is the same. So r.dalwriter. My Twitter is the same, minus the, the dot. Um, you can also find me on my website, which is rubydial.com. On there, you'll find my books and you'll also be able to find healing sessions. So I do face-to-face uh, -face healing sessions. I do Skype calls and I also do like week-long email healing sessions as well. And all my books are available on Amazon, Waterstones, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Ruby. Yeah, Wonderful. thank you so much for having me. I had an amazing time. Thank you so much. 
thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment.